So Ian, you have a new opera, your second opera, which has been premiered in Germany next month in March. Can you tell me a little bit about that, uh, that work and how it actually came about? The opera itself is actually a few years old at this point. It was uh, commissioned by the Feldkirch Festival in Austria back in 2005. Uh, their director, uh, Thomas Hengelbrock, had heard my Venice Biennale Orchestral Commission in 2004, and straight after that he said, oh, come and have dinner, you know. And we were, he was talking about his, his little Austrian festival. And he said, oh, you should write something. And we were talking about, he was talking about some dance piece by a swimming pool. I don't know. Anyway, I went out uh, the following year to Freiburg, where he was based, and suddenly they're talking about an opera. And I'm going, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we want to write you, we want you to write an opera. So, okay. So I quickly got on the phone to Lavinia Greenlaw, the English poet and novelist who had been the librettist for my first opera, Hamelin, uh, because we'd been trying to come up with some scenario for some little theatre piece with dance, which we thought we were working on. And I said, they, they want an opera. <laughs> so we had to take a step back. Uh, but anyway, Lavinia came up with this idea. She has a, one of her collections is called Minsk. And one of the poems in that collection is called Minsk. And it's quite an obscure, uh, there's some obscure references in the poem. But essentially what she did, she liked the idea behind this poem, which is the idea that you can't ever really go back in your life. You have to keep going forward so she expanded that into a libretto and um, so yeah it was just unfortunate that uh, first of all it was supposed to be done 2005 originally I think and then it was postponed to 2006 and that year the director and the board chose to have a falling out and the festival was cancelled for 2006 even though the opera had been paid for and everything so basically we were just left with the opera, the new guy came in and of course didn't really want to take on any of the old director's projects, so it languished for a few years. And then I started um, talking to Christian Martin Molnar, who'd directed the German production of Hamelin, to see if I could interest him in it. And eventually I did, and he said to me, uh, okay, we're going to do it, we're going to do it in 2013. Um, now, we can't do it with the instrumentation that you've written for, which was something like uh, clarinet, trumpet, balalaika, accordion, violin, double bass, percussion. He says, we don't have an ensemble like that here. What we do have uh, is the, the Württembergische Kammer Orchestra, which is a great string orchestra, or you could write it for two pianos. <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll choose the orchestra. Uh, so I made a new version of the, of the, uh, of the score for the WKO. So I was back, uh, I was over there in uh, November, December, just meeting Christian again, who I hadn't seen for 10 years, and uh, Ruben Gazarian, who's the conductor of the orchestra. So everybody's, you know, on board, everybody's happy. And last year, in the second half of last year, Christian was um, starting to look for the singers. Uh, basically, a, a quick presse of the opera is uh, the main character Anna is a 40 something year old emigre from Belarus from Minsk. She's been living in London for 20 years, she's bored, she's tired uh, one day on the tube she thinks she sees her old lover Fyodor from 
minced so she gets off, follows him, it's not him. So she goes home very disappointed but depressed and goes to sleep and the rest of the opera uh, is basically her dream where in her dream she goes back to Minsk, she confronts her younger self, Anushka, um, trying to find out in her dream why she left Minsk in the first place. She can't seem to remember why she left, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Uh, she goes to meet Fyodor, she... You know, they, they have these interactions that she's trying to discover the reason why she left in the first place. She's trying to persuade Anushka, don't leave, you know, it's horrible over there. And Anushka is saying, it's my life, I'll leave if I want to, that kind of thing. Um, so it's, it's quite a philosophical opera. At the same time, there's plenty of activity on stage. Uh, it's one thing we really learned from, from preparing Hamelin that, you know, there has to be a reason for the action to be on stage. It's not enough for people just to be talking or singing about about things, you know, they have to be active as well. So it's uh, it it cracks along actually the good old pace. Just one act, about seventy five minutes, seven scenes. So it's nice, uh, you know, perpetuates itself very well. Um, and at the end, you know, she just realizes actually there wasn't any big reason. It was just time to go, and she should embrace that <laughs> and move on. She can't keep you know looking back and feeling nostalgic, it doesn't do her any good, you know. So, uh, so yeah, that's it, and we have four performances uh, this March. And uh, you mentioned that you've, you've, you've worked with the, the librettist uh, Lavinia Greenlaw and um, the director of your, uh, who was also the director of your previous opera. How important is it for you to work with the same people, or... I mean, I like to work with people I've had good working experiences with, and I like to work with people I haven't worked with before. So I think, I think it was interesting to work on the second opera with Lavinia, uh, because Hamelin was uh, the first opera for both of us, and she's done some other operatic work since, um, and I've been interested in different kinds of music theatre since. Um, but Minsk was a an opportunity maybe three years after our first opera to consolidate what we felt about opera and build on our experiences of writing the first opera um, and we were both very both very um, pleased with Hamelin and how it turned out and what it did uh, but there was a for instance there's a lot of text in that the, I remember the German music director saying oh there's enough text here for five Parsifals. <laughs> so consequently, the singers had a lot to learn. I mean, it wasn't slowly delivered by any means, you know, and it was only a 90-minute opera, but still, um, it was quite wordy. So, so Minsk uh, has a, a much more concise vocabulary and use of language. At the same time, it's still... There, there are no big musical interludes, for instance. Everything just has a nice pace as it goes along. And we felt, um, we felt much more comfortable working on this together. We felt we knew each other a bit better and just how to function as a unit. So it was a good experience. Um, so yeah, and regarding Christian, I think we felt that he'd been enthusiastic about Hamelin and he's similarly enthusiastic about this. So it's very important to have someone you feel is behind everything 100%. Otherwise, it's just that weird sense that somebody feels they're doing you a favour or, you know, so you didn't want any of that. And actually, because I was over, as I said before, Christmas, um, this is a, 
while it is a chamber opera, because I've made this arrangement for the string orchestra, which is quite big, you know, there being maybe 18, 19 players, the sound they produce will be almost orchestral. And the theatre in Heilbronn is a, is a proper large theatre, even has a revolving scenery on it, you know. So it suddenly feels like it's a proper opera um, on a proper stage, as opposed to... I mean, Hamlin got... Um, 12 performances over two different productions, I think, in 2003. But they were all in small spaces, uh, very much um, bijou opera. Now this feels like it's proper opera on a nice big stage, and that's very exciting, actually. Um, just has a different feel about it. And you mentioned having to uh, rearrange the, the, the instrumental parts to mm. suit the string orchestra. Um, and you also mentioned that there was a, a period of time that elapsed from writing the opera to when it was when it's going to be performed, were there any other changes that you made in in those intervening years? Well, in the intervening years, actually, I I just put the opera to one side, and it was only one. It was only when we were definitely going to have the production this year that I started last year to get back into trying to get the grips with the piece, which at this point almost feels like somebody else wrote it, or at least at that point it did. Now it. it feels like mine again but it was like what looking at somebody else's work I had to re-familiarize myself with the music with the libretto with the ideas behind why those were together um, and I suppose it's just practical practical considerations for this production for instance um, the, orig the, the original opera has three main singers but it also has a chorus of three which were used, the opening scene has um, people on a tube train, bits of conversation and stuff. And the last penultimate scene actually has uh, a little chorus part. And Christian was finding it difficult to get um, chorus singers because Halbron's essentially a theatre and that while they do do quite a bit of music theatre, they don't have a choir or a chorus associated with it. So I ended up dropping the chorus altogether and just... Um, reintegrating their parts into the existing singers, which works actually fine. Um, and, well, the thing about the original instrumentation, there's a folk element to it in terms of it being Eastern Europe. Uh, I had clarinet, trumpet, balalaika, even bought a balalaika and learned how to play it so I could write for it. And, you know, those colours have disappeared in a sense with the translation to a string orchestra so I, I wanted to try and preserve some sense of stratification of instruments even though it's a much more homogenous group than I'd written for before so consequently I ended up when doing this um, transcription by subdividing the orchestra uh, much more than one normally would and using different playing techniques uh, at the same time so maybe one uh, one section or, or one number of players will be muted while another won't be or some will use a practice mute while some will use an ordinary mute or some will play uh, sul pont while others will be ordinaire so just to try and, and get the layers uh, clear that it's not just because with string orchestra it can, it can become this lovely mush and I was really wanting to avoid that because it doesn't do the original idea behind the music any, any services um, you, may, you obviously mentioned this, this is an opera mm. um, 
how much do you feel you're working within uh, an operatic tradition um, or working outside it? Well, I would say these two operas, Minsk and Hamelin, are, are clearly inside the tradition. I mean, I, <clears throat> I don't think either Lavinia or myself have had any illusions about being groundbreaking or anything like that. Uh, we were just very interested to put an original story. I mean, if there's anything novel, um, it's it's just the notion that we that I haven't taken an existing play or something, which is very popular. Uh, but to me, it's kind of lazy, actually, you know, because if you take a Shakespeare play or a play by anybody, it already exists in this. I mean, for instance, I remember somebody asking Gerald Barry the question I wanted to ask, but didn't quite on the on on the night he had his pre-concert interview before the bitter tears of Peter von Kant the concert performance he did at the concert hall and somebody asked well what do you think you're bringing to the play and uh, I mean I can't remember his exact words but it was more or less well you know I just felt like doing it which is fine you know but then you you have something that you're comparing you know, you're comparing the opera with the play, or you can compare the opera with the play. And, you know, similar with Adez's Tempest or, you know, or, or Turnage's Silver Tassie. You know, they're all, they all have very healthy lives as plays and, and, and Turnage's Greek as well. You come along, you add some music to it, you, you do something different to it, but it's, you know, I, I'm much more interested in the idea of starting from scratch and building something that has its own distinct life um whether successful or not the 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 point is to try and create something distinct and original in its idea and its concept and so um you know we did that with uh with both those operas and if nothing else i'm pleased we did that but where i feel um there's much more possibility to, to work outside the operatic tradition is in music theater as distinct from opera, I mean, you can still have singers, but you don't have to. And I'm, you know, I'm working on a series of pieces uh, of what I call acoustic theatre. So uh, we had the first one a couple of years ago with Joanna Pekka-Kolin, the violinist, and these are... Acoustic theatre is, is music theatre with no text for me, where the instrument and the instrumentalist carry the narrative. Uh, and by their very nature, they're more ambiguous, but I like that. I like that because... It means um, the audience can have different reactions and there's an implied narrative there, but people will take different implications out of that. And so I think that, I mean, this is something I'm, I'm really interested to, to pursue and I have two or three things on the drawing board at the moment. So I think if there's, if there's a way of being outside the operatic tradition, that's it. Okay. That's all I wanted to ask you. Um, thanks, Ian. Not at all.